Good morning. I think I can say that it's a pleasure to be here with you. I, uh, I found out in a real way what it means to be instant in season. I always took it to mean that was when you were hunting, that you had to be on your toes and had to be instant. But uh, it's okay. I think uh, God has something here for us this morning. Title the message this morning, Hearts Knit Together, and obviously it is one that I have preached before. In fact, tomorrow, a year ago, would have been the first time I preached this message, and um, I preached it in, in Pennsylvania. And it's been one that's been a burden of my heart, and mostly because it's a lot of my life experience. And so I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a snapshot and a view into my own personal life that many of you may be able to identify with. The key verse that I have for you this morning is in Cl found in Colossians 2.2, 2, and I'm just going to read that for you. And it says this, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. I would ask for you to turn to 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses there. But the key word in that verse that I just read is full assurance. I'd like for, for you to raise your hand if you understand, if you, if I give you this term, I want you to understand, raise your hand if you understand it. So if I say, do you have the assurance of salvation? Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, thank you. The next question I'd like to ask you, how many of y'all have ever struggled with the assurance of salvation? All right, you've got a lot of hands there. And, and I'm, I'm speaking this morning, I'm hoping to, 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 to people that have that thing settled in their heart because I feel like it is so crucial to have the assurance of salvation settled in your heart. Primarily the message this morning is if you don't have that thing fully settled in your heart. Because for myself and my own personal life, I'll have to say that uh, for years I struggled with that, maybe not as hard as some people did, but I struggled with that full assurance that I needed because I come to realize that the more effective you become for Christ, the more available you are for Him, that assurance of salvation, if you're not fully rooted and grounded in that, Satan can use that and just kind of pull the carpet out from under you, and all of a sudden you, you, you're on shaky ground. You're, you're looking for something to support yourself. And I don't think that's where God wants us. I really don't think that's where God wants us. And so I, I, I want to give you some tools this morning, maybe, and some of the tools that I have uh, that, that I've come to understand in remedying this issue of the assurance of salvation so in 1 John 3, there's a few verses I'd like to read there. 1 John 3, 18 to 24. It says this, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and that shall assure our hearts before him. There's that word assure again. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we have his commandment, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 
And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. I'd like to go back to verse 18 there. It says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. And this morning when I was looking at that, it's fascinating how often we get into this little habit of communicating with just word and tongue. Have a good day. How are you doing? And we give all the nice niceties that uh, the, the, the things that are normal. But look at the last part of the verse. It said, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It goes deeper than that. I, I, I just It's a challenge to me because it's, it's more to it than just saying, have a great day. Well, what are you doing about giving them a great day? So it is word and deed. I'm going to give you my new birth experience. And the first time I ever gave it, I'll... I'll I have, I have to give you this story because I was a superintendent at, at our church here at Mount Hermon. And I remember during the week uh, in, in preparation for, for devotions like we had this morning, I was, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what I'm going to have it on and, and um, working on that. And God just impressed upon me and said, Mark, you need to give me your personal testimony. Now, I'll just say this, that if you've never given your personal testimony in public, you're really opening yourself up wide open for people to scrutinize your life, okay? And um, and I know it was, I knew it was going to be emotional for me, difficult at best, you know, just uh, working through uh, my whole experience, life experience in, in that area. And I remember showing up at church, and who do you think was there but two van loads of youth from Pennsylvania? And it was the last thing I really wanted to do to a bunch of strangers, let alone my home church. But... I remember getting out of the car and I said, Lord, it looks like we're going to have to do something different. He says, no, you're not. And um, I'll have to say I, I did somewhat exceedingly fear and quake because it's just like, you know, you're showing your personal side to whatever. So I, I just, I got up and I said, well, bless you all for being here, but uh, just understand that I'm going to kind of tune you out so that I can get through this because it's, it's a little bit different. So when I was about 12 years old, um, I was not a Christian, and I wanted to be one. In fact, I was uh, doing this uh, mail correspondence course, Bible course, where you they mail you the question. I don't know how many of y'all ever done, seen that or done that. Uh, anybody ever seen that? Usually, there's a few people that that have done that. Well, on the, on about the third or the fourth uh, question, it was a Bible reading that you read, and you answered the verses or answered the questions that they gave you. You mailed it back, they graded you, sent you a new one, you filled those out. And so it was just a just a simple little thing that I was doing and I was enjoying it. And all about the third one, they had a question on there, are you a Christian? I couldn't send it back saying that I was because I wasn't. We weren't having revivals or anything like that. And uh, I kind of struggled with it. And I look back now and I realize that maybe in a large way, this is why God chose my path um, is to help others. You're going to find this amusing, but... Um, I, I wasn't sure what to do. I could have went to my parents, I suppose, but for some reason it was just too personal and private for me. And and if you don't really think or know me to be a, a shy person, I was very shy, and I can be. I can kind of get into that even now sometimes. But um, but I had a dilemma. I wanted to send that thing back saying yes, I'm a Christian, but I wasn't sure how to do it, and so I hung on to that letter for a few days. 
And I did the only thing that I knew to do, and that was to go into my closet because I didn't know this much of the Bible that said, uh, if you want to talk to your father, which is in secret, go to your closet and shut the door. And yes, that's exactly what I did. It was a bifold kind. It had the little slats, the old style you could see out. I still remember sitting in there. And I, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. There's some people that have um, wonderful experiences of a burden being lifted. Maybe many times that's because there's uh, guilt of sin or something in your life that God has put his finger on and has asked you to, to give that up. And if that's your testimony, praise the Lord. Being free from guilt is a wonderful thing. But my experience that day wasn't quite like that. In fact, uh, I went out and um, my sky was just as blue as before and the grass was just as green as before. A lot of people experience various things in that. But over the course of years, the thoughts that would plague me was, are you sure that was good enough? You didn't have anybody with you. It wasn't at a revival meetings. But the question was always, are you sure it's good enough? My problem was is that I wasn't knowing and deciphering the difference between what the Holy Spirit says and what Satan says. And there was a verse that kept running to, uh, that I run across. The last half of that verse in 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, For we are not ignorant of his devices. And I thought, well, really? And I've come to the conclusion that maybe we're just a little bit more ignorant of his devices than what we claim to let on. And it wasn't until... Um, it wasn't until later on, and I'm going to say I was, I was married even, and of course, yeah, I was married because we were going to Mount Hermon at that time. And, and it wasn't just a strong, um, the assurance of salvation wasn't one of those things where, where it really got me down. It was just that niggling in the back of my mind. Are you, are you sure it's really good enough? And uh, somebody, some brother at church made a comment in Sunday school one time, said the difference between the Holy Spirit speaking and Satan speaking is that the Holy Spirit is very defined and giving instruction as to what is wrong. In other words, if there's sin in your life, he'll tell you what that sin is, and you also do know what you need to do to make it right. When Satan comes to you, it is always without questions. And so, in my whole experience, in that moment, and, and it, it took a course of about a day or two, and I started mulling that thing, and I started going over the, all the, the things, the doubt questions, are you sure that's good enough? Well, that's a doubt question. I literally took two steps. I took three up here this morning. I don't really care for this being up this high. But anyway, I, I took two steps in my Christian walk at that moment. Because the first step I took was, okay, that isn't from Satan. I mean, that is from Satan. That is not from the Holy Spirit. Because it is a doubt question. But right on the heels of that came the other thought. Okay, since that's Satan, and he was asking and, and asking me the question, he said, are you sure that's good enough? So obviously he also knows that I'm a born-again person because he wouldn't be trying to doubt, get me to doubt my, question, my, my Christianity to begin with. And so not only did I have Satan in his proper place, 
But he also, in a sense, not that he gave me the assurance, but the simple fact that he was tempting me to believe that my salvation wasn't good enough also gave me the idea that, okay, he wouldn't be tempting me with this if I was lost. You follow what I'm saying? It, it's, it's a, it was a double thing. And so from that point on, I, I, I was happy. And then uh, I realized then when those two landlords of youth came down that, that day for church and I, I worked my way through my, um, my testimony, like I said, it was very, very difficult because it's very real. I remember after uh, service, two of the young ladies in that group came up to me and just thanked me for sharing my personal testimony in that because it was the very thing they were struggling with. And if there's anything this morning that I really want you to know is that God cares deeply about you and your struggles. And to some degree, I guess, when I'd see young Christians give their heart to the Lord, I would weep. Not because they made a good decision, but because I feared that they would struggle in a way like I did, and it wasn't necessary. And for myself growing up, over those years, I just longed for somebody that I could identify with that had a similar situation to mine, but it never happened. Nobody would ever give their testimony. So this morning, my testimony is that I didn't have a profound new birth experience in that way. The new birth experience doesn't have to be an earth-shattering event, yet it is a life-changing event. God moves us along. God changes us. And, and um, to some degree then, this message is born out of an experience I had nine, uh, back in 2019. This is before I was ordained. And um, God showing me again how important this whole thing of the assurance of salvation is to him. The end of 2019, I was um, working on a job, and my phone went. This is my nephew, and for those of you that you don't know, it's it's my nephew Alan. He's actually a little bit older than I am, so you get an idea of when I say nephew, I don't mean somebody that's just a little tot. And we're pretty close. Uh, he was serving in Cambodia at the time, and uh, serving under a mission, a lamb out of Ohio. He called me up and he said, uh, well, he had wanted me to come over there for some time, and I would have loved to have done that. But um, he called me up and said, well, the mission wants to know if you could come over and do some plumbing for a mission base that they're getting ready to renovate. It's an old school building that they were going to renovate for a mission base. Wanted to know, would you come over? And uh, that's a good way to get me going. I uh, didn't really feel too fond of going over to a mission base and kind of sponging off of them for, for two weeks. Um, just to visit the area and, and family. And uh, so, yeah, it's like, yeah, that would, that would probably work when you're thinking. And so this is the end of October. <clears throat> and 
And a week went by, and, and he calls me up again. And he said, well, well Mark, he said, oh, they do construction a little differently over here. Um, everything on the interior walls are all masonry, so they lay it up with brick and parge it, and um, that's the way we do all our interior walls because of termites. Cambodia is more in the southern hemisphere, more like Central America in a lot of ways. Wouldn't it be easier to do the plumbing first? I said, yes, it would be, because all I could think of is going through all that brick with, uh, with, with the concrete drill and whatever. He said, well, then, in that case, and we had made out to, to, to go over, like, sometime in March of uh, 2020. And so he said, well, in that case, any time, because they had uh, work groups lined up to come over, youth from uh, Pennsylvania, youth groups, to come over and spend two weeks at a time and working on this project. So a week later, it got changed to uh, the first part of December. Still in 2019. And um, I've got to tell you the, the, the details because it, it's interesting how God works things out. And so I started looking for tickets, and typically tickets over there run you. It's halfway around the world, by the way. Um, if it's 12 o'clock midday here, it's 12 o'clock midnight there. So kind of give you an idea how far it is. And my nephew had flown back a time or two, and so I kind of knew what the... Uh, the itineraries usually wind up being, usually you're winding up traveling for at least 40 hours, and that's uh, delays, fl plane flights, and everything else. But I started looking for tickets, and I found tickets from Dulles that uh, would take us from Dulles straight to Hong Kong, and then about a three-hour layover, and then down to Cambodia, which was another two-and-a-half-hour flight. But it was a 15-and-a-half-hour flight from, from Dulles. And um, the interesting thing was is that the... Uh, the total travel time was less than uh, 24 hours. And so we had, we left at 12.20 in the morning. We got there at uh, 10 o'clock the next morning, uh, their time. But at 10 o'clock, 10.30 hour time, I think, something like that. Um, that, was the, that was the first thing, and, and, and exposed my wife just a little bit, but she hates to fly. Now, I love to fly. Um, I always enjoyed it. Um, and she said, well, just, why don't you just go? I said, no, I don't think so. This is, this is a long ways. I think we're, we're both going together. Well, in her devotions one morning, God gave her a word. And it was this, I will bring thee back to the land of thy nativity. Well, that was a consoling thought. Didn't say how. I suppose we could have came back in, in various ways, even if it wasn't as we thought. But uh, the connections were, were so good um, and, and the other thing I would add is that uh, the tickets were uh, $850 a piece, which is unheard of. And with the connections that good, even more so. And, and, and I want you to understand all that as, as we're going into this because of, of what transpired while we were there. And, um, and he also had told me, he said, now, he said, when you're coming over here, bring your, bring your notes. He said, you're going to bring in a message on Sunday. We were there for two weeks, so we were there for two Sundays. And I told him, I said, well, I'm not a preacher. And he said, doesn't matter. Over here, you're going to preach. And um, so I took some notes along. And um, along about Thursday or so, he said, oh, by the way, he said, you're going to preach the first Sunday. And I was kind of hoping it was the last Sunday, just so that I would have an opportunity to kind of gather the, the, how the church functions, how they, how they do things. It would have to be, obviously, through an interpreter. 
He said, no, you're doing it on the first Sunday. I was like, okay. And um, went through that first Sunday, and I was thinking, now I'm free. Um, you know, it's just a wonderful feeling. All the responsibilities, that part of it's over with. Um, enjoy the rest of my stay. God had other plans. And so uh, that following week, and he had told me he was going to preach the following Sunday. On Tuesday, we went out to eat at this little hole in the wall, I call it. had dirt floor. Meal was about a buck fifty. It was good. And um, I'm not going to tell you what all I had over there to eat. But um, after we ate, we were kind of there chatting about our families. Um, we both have nine children. We both have five boys and four girls. And so we were just talking about different things in our families, what, what things they're struggling with. And, and he just made a comment. He said, one of my boys is struggling deeply with this thing called the assurance of salvation. And it broke my heart. He just made a comment. He said, well, if you get a chance to talk to him sometime, do. And yet I found it difficult to do that because I didn't want to break the confidence that his son had with his father. And um, the next morning, I went out with his boys. They did uh, <clears throat> various things over there, but one of the things they did do was drill wells by hand. It's kind of an interesting system. They use an inch pipe or his inch inch pipe with a spade on the front of it and they got a hole in it and they blow water and air down there to, to drill it and they just do it by hand. They go down about 70 or 80 feet and it blows the water, the water and the air blow the, the dirt and grit and stuff and everything out. They go down about 70 feet and they usually hit water. They make a, a hand pump and it's, uh, they do one well a day. Um, they've got a crew of guys and it was noisy. The air compressor was running, the water pump was running, the generator, or the generator was running the water pump and, and so there's a lot of noise there and the opportunity to talk wasn't there. But all day long, God kept working with me, dealing with me. I said, Mark, <clears throat> would you share your testimony on Sunday? And I'll just say this. When the Holy Spirit tells you something, He doesn't have to tell you everything, does He? You know what He's talking about. And I knew which testimony He was talking about. It was the one about my new birth experience and the struggle of the assurance of salvation and the times when God has spoken to me. And um, I probably was a little bit more like Jonah in that, um, well, Lord, I, I didn't spoke on Sunday. Um, Alan is preaching. And after all the arguments are over and everything calms down again in your mind, God comes back and he says, would you give your testimony on Sunday? Looking back, I feel like I was a little bit obstinate, maybe. And yet still wanting to do what God wanted me to do. And I finally just said, okay, God, it's fine. I'm here on your time. I'll do what you ask me. It's not about me. But I said, I can't go to my nephew and volunteer to preach on Sunday. Totally goes against my grain. You'd already said he was going to, and you're asking me to. What do you do? This is now Thursday again, and Sunday is coming soon, and I had nothing prepared for it. 
although your personal testimony is pretty much written in your heart. And I'll never forget it. Thursday morning, we went to town to get some supplies, and you have to understand that getting supplies in Cambodia is a trick at best. It takes time, and you got to know where to go, and there's multiple places a lot of times that you have to go to to get everything that you need. We were weaving in and out of traffic, going to this first place, and I slouched down in his truck to make it look like I had absolutely no care in this world because I didn't want him to know that I had been struggling the previous day all day long, and I finally had surrendered it to God, and I just asked, I said, like, well, I'm going to have to find out some way what's going on on Sunday. So I just asked him a simple question. This was a logical conclusion to it. I said, so uh, what are you preaching on on Sunday? I thought this will give me a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. you got to understand my nephew. At least I understood him good enough. I looked at him, and he, he just looked straight ahead like I'd never heard him. I knew something was going on. I wasn't sure what it was. This was his response. He said, I'm struggling. I'm still trying to keep my, um, my cover. I said, oh, really? About what? He said, well, I'm struggling about whether or not now I asked my uncle to give his testimony on Sunday. And I realized that God had been dealing with both of us and that this thing that um, he wanted me to share, he wanted me to share to the church, not just to his son that was struggling. I shared that Sunday. Nothing earth shattering necessarily. We were leaving the next morning and I desperately wanted to talk to my great nephew about his battle and whether or not what I shared the, the day before was helping him in any way. And um, just before we left, he came up and he said, thank you, Uncle Mark, for, for coming. And thank you for what you shared yesterday. He said, I always counted what you and Dad have to say as being, being right. you got to understand, I don't necessarily have a real close relationship with my great-nephew in that I knew his uh, character a lot. But that part surprised me. And um, I just encouraged him. I said, you know, I said, keep fighting. Hold fast. He said, don't let Satan trick you into believing that it's what you do that gives you salvation. Our flight left at 10, and as we were going through town, Some of it that would break my heart was the simple fact that the people there are very much into idol worship. So Buddhism is their, is their main religion. Hinduism and uh, Muslim, with Christianity being very, very small, small percentage. And you go through town, you see all these idols. 
sitting up. And maybe that was some of it, but I was just thinking about the, the, the past two weeks and everything that had transpired the, the day previous to that. And it was like God came to me and said, Mark, this, and he was speaking about my great nephew, is why I sent you over here. If there was ever a time that um, I felt like I could have wrote a verse, it would have been there. And the verse would have probably said something like this. For God so loved one young man halfway around the world that he sent somebody he trusted and experienced the same trouble to help him overcome his. I want you to know something this morning if you struggle in any way like this. I want this story to be burned in your memory that if God cared so deeply just over the struggle of one young man that he wanted to remedy it he cares about your struggle too. In a real way, I felt God's arm around me and just thanked me for, for doing what he wanted done. And um, was amazed at, at all the things that he had put in place. In fact, I came home and out of curiosity, I was looking for the same tickets again and I couldn't find them until I looked for like three months in advance. And then they were about $3,800 a ticket. The other thing that had happened is I had saved up airline miles and it seemed like every time I flew, I wanted to redeem them and God said, no, you're going to need them. So all the airline miles that I had had collected, the tickets for my wife and I to fly over there cost us about $400. And um, what was even more fascinating is I redeemed them and then several months went by and I went back to see uh, how many airline miles I had and God gave them all back. I had them all again. And I'm just amazed at what God can do. I want you to be amazed as well. He's just as interested in your life. He's just as interested in your assurance of salvation. And um, after we got back in March, the COVID lockdown took place and people were having difficulty getting in and out of the country. God knew that all along. I don't know what was happening in glory, but it somehow it, uh, Job comes to my mind in, in, in the conversation God had with, the, with Satan there and in, in the dialogue that went on there. Was God saying, we're going to have to get Mark to go over there earlier? How are we going to get him? And the angel said, I got away. Gave his idea, and God said, that'll work. 
I don't know. I'm not here to say that. I'm not trying to elevate this above what it is. But I will say that God had a way, and he made a way, and he'll make a way for you. I'd like to have uh, a word of prayer with you. And I'd like for you to bow your head. And if you, this morning, are struggling with the assurance of salvation, I want you to raise your hand. And then we'd like to have a word of prayer with you. So let's close your eyes. Let's bow your head. Raise your hand. And if you want to acknowledge that you've struggled with this, I just want God to bless you and to be near to you and to give you courage and strength in this area. Thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just come to you this morning, knowing that you're a tender God, that you care about us deeply. I just pray that you would touch the hearts this morning that have raised their hands. I know it's a very personal thing. I just pray, God, that you would give them the strength to have this thing settled in their hearts of their new birth experience that they would grow to perfection and to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and how he deals with us. That his spirit is tender and compassionate towards those that have struggled in this area. I just pray that you raise them up and that you give them strength in the days ahead and that your blessing be upon them. I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.